0: Money can buy you almost anything. It can't buy you immortality. That you have to earn. I'm going to look you in the eyes, and I'm going to tell you the future. You were cut from your high school basketball team. You willed your way to the NBA. You're going to win championships. It's an American story, and that's why Americans are going to love it. People are going to build you up. God, are they going to... Because when you're great and new, we love you. Man, we'll build you into something that doesn't even exist. You're going to change the world. But you know what? Once they've built you as high as they possibly can, they're going to tear you back down. It's the most predictable pattern. We build you into something that doesn't exist. And that means you have to try to be that thing all day, every day. That's how it works. And we do it again and again, and again. And I'm gonna tell you the truth. You're gonna be attacked, betrayed, exposed, and humiliated. And you'll survive that. A lot of people can climb that mountain. It's the way down that breaks them. Because that's the moment when you are truly alone. And what will you do then? Can you summon the will to fight on through all the pain and rise again? Who are you, Michael? That will be the defining question of your life. And I think you already know the answer. And that's why we're all here. A shoe is just a shoe. Until somebody steps into it, then it has meaning. The rest of us just want a chance to touch that greatness. And we need you in these shoes. Not so you have meaning in your life, but so that we have meaning in ours. Everyone at this table will be forgotten as soon as our time here is up. Except for you, you're going to be remembered forever, because some things are eternal. You're Michael Jordan, and your story is going to make us want to fly.
1: Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event yeah that uh, I opened up with that clip from the movie air uh, If you didn't see it at the movies it's on uh, Amazon Prime now and if you have Amazon Prime it's free uh, what a gr- what a great movie um, so go on there and watch it watch it until you get all these cool uh, cool little uh, clips in there. I'll use some more of them from it uh, as the weeks go by that one that one is a great. Is a great uh, inspirational uh, little speech that that uh, that Matt Damon's character makes to uh, to Michael Jordan and his parents as they're getting uh, them to sign a contract with Nike to uh, to create the Air Jordan brand, and of course, uh, and of course, you know me not being a huge sports fan, but this is how greatness works. We we create these 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 heroes. And we build, they build, they build these people into things that they, that they, that don't even exist. And then as soon as they get to the top, we start tearing them down. And it's, you know, it's, uh, he talks about how, uh, it's not, you know, anybody can climb that hill. It's how you get, how you handle it when you start going down the hill and they start humiliating you. And, and, uh, you know, you think, and I think about I think about what we see going on with everybody who sticks their head 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 out to be something great in this country, and I'll use Donald Trump as an example right here. But you know, and and this and this wasn't new to Trump as he got into politics, but he did something great for our country, and we didn't like him because he's arrogant, because he's arrogant and uh, uh, and he says what's on his mind. He says what's on our mind. And, uh, but we tear him down because he's offensive and he's arrogant, but he, but he speaks the truth. And they will go to no length. Nothing is, is too far to travel to, to tear this guy up and humiliate him and keep him from, uh, from, uh, killing the money tree that is our political system. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's an inspirational speech. It's an inspirational story. And, uh, you know, as Matt Damon says, hey, you know what, uh, um, a shoe is just a shoe till somebody steps in it and and we don't need the, you don't need that meaning for you. We need it for us. because remember when we watched uh, Donald Trump making speeches in front of Mount Rushmore or on uh, Fourth of July with all those military machines flying over and he made us feel good about being America. That's what we remember about Ronald Reagan. that's what we rem- remember about uh, about all great all great uh, speakers and, and leaders in our country. And you know what? Think about what, how you feel when you listen to Joe Biden. I mean, think about even Democrats. How do they feel when they listen to Joe Biden, besides embarrassed? We're going to talk a lot about that today, as we do every week. And uh, that song was Beers Ago from uh, Toby, Toby Keith. Because I mean, uh, everything that we're going to talk about today, I'm going to bring up some stories that felt, felt like they just happened yesterday even though they were actually 1,452 beers ago. so uh, And maybe even more beers than that or more shots of uh, Patron than that. But they were a while ago. But we're going to try and connect the dots, follow the bouncing ball, and bring some clarity to some of the nonsense that uh, that they call the news these days. Uh, but before I do, let me introduce myself. For those who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are always fantastic opportunities in real estate, um, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. If you need financing, call me, tell, call me at 855-640-2020. Uh, if you need finan- uh, help financing a house you own, or uh, or purchasing a house you'd like to own or getting involved in a in a reverse mortgage to uh, to bridge the gap between the amount of years you have left in your life and the amount of money you have in your bank account, call me toll-free, day or night. Area code, 855-640-2020. Uh, if you don't want to talk on the phone because it's so personal, but uh, you do want to get in touch with me, send me a, go on to uh, edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, fill out the information, tell me how much, how much information you uh, want back Give us as much information as you want to give me, and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces. your real estate financing puzzle. And uh, if you hear any part of the show you want repeated or you missed it, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear the show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free. And uh, once a week I record and upload it on, uh, we record Friday mornings. It uploads Friday afternoon and shortly thereafter it'll download to your device. Uh, your phone or your computer, or whatever you listen to podcasts on, and you can uh, listen to it on demand. If you have comments on the show, certainly don't keep them to the to yourself. Uh, you know, share them. But if you have comments that you want to say to me, email me to ed at ed at edhoffman.net. Ed at edhoffman.net. All right. So uh, let's talk about. Uh, it's been one week since Title 42 ended, and because uh, Title 42 was the reason du jour. Why our country seems overrun by illegal immigrants, criminals, terrorists, rapists, human traffickers, drug dealers, and uh, and it's probably a few other and a, probably a few other people, uh, nice people scattered in there, and that's just what's going on. But we're gonna blame it on Title 42 this week. And I, I was thinking about uh, uh, Don and I were at uh outback steakhouse over the weekend and i and uh and i ordered and i ordered one of my sides was broccoli and i say well I, I like my broccoli uh, i like my broccoli i like uh i typically order a, a bowl of melted butter with some broccoli pieces sprinkled in so hey we're we're bringing over all these bad people with a few pe- with a few nice people uh, sprinkled in so uh, uh so uh and if you listen to the administration the biden administration everything is smooth sailing along the southern border it's a stark contrast from what's actually happening as multiple states, including our own, are breaking under the massive migrant influx that we were warned about by our own State Department a few weeks back, as if it just started in the last few weeks. In Texas, new video from the Border Border Patrol Central Processing Center in El Paso showed 750 migrant men crammed into a room with a capacity for 120 people. Congressman Tony Gonzalez said the entire center the entire center was 6 times over capacity 6000 people in a 1000 capacity building when the footage was taken I guess the migrants aren't, aren't listening to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and why should they
0: starting tonight people who arrive at the border without using a lawful pathway will be presumed ineligible for asylum We are ready to process and swiftly remove people without a legal basis to remain in the U.S. Do not believe the lies of smugglers. People who do not use available legal pathways to enter the U.S. now face tougher consequences, including a minimum five-year ban on re-entry and potential criminal prosecution we are prepared for this transition and will enforce our laws thank you
1: yeah can you say this clip was produced for effect and uh, apparently they, he he made that he made that comment in front of the cameras not in front of anybody uh, so they could put it out there but the same places they see that clip they also see the clips from the uh, hearings where they hear our our uh, congressional leaders Telling, uh, telling Majorca said he's a liar, and that our, our border is open, and where the the border is not secure. You know what? It's almost it's almost uh, over information. But the Democrats are stupid enough to think that they can put out a video, and that's the one people will watch. Sorry, not happening. Over the past week, Governor Greg Abbott has sent three separate busloads of mostly Venezuelan migrants to Texas from Texas to Washington, D.C., where they were dropped off down the road from the Naval Observatory, also known as the official residence of the vice president. Christian Flores, who's a, who's a local uh, newscaster in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, tweeted out, Breaking! A bus bringing migrants from Texas just arrived at the Naval Observatory near Vice President Kamala Harris's residence. Busing has started back up since Title 42 expired, this time on Mother's Day. Texas Governor Greg Abbott also sent busloads of migrants Christmas Eve. Okay. Meanwhile, Kamala gave this ironic statement to a reporter who asked her about the border at her fundraiser in Atlanta.
2: I hear that everything in the last couple of days is going rather smoothly, given what the concerns were. And the bottom line, however, is that the issue of immigration falls squarely within the responsibility of the United States Congress. So we've done what we can. But the United States Congress has to pass legislation that is about dealing with this immigration
1: system yeah so uh let's uh let's now that republicans are in charge of congress of course they didn't never did this uh before january now the republicans are in charge of congress let's let's blame it on them not passing quote comprehensive immigration reform which what does that mean to them anyway what does it mean to anybody anyway we know what what the democrats say comprehensive immigration reform means blanket amnesty for everybody but hey this is what we have a broken system guess what we didn't in january of 2021 when uh biden came in we had uh, people uh waiting in mexico to get properly processed and we had a border wall going up and even where where it hadn't been up yet where it was going to go up people were staying away because they knew they weren't getting over reportedly dc's temporary lodging program has reached capacity with hhs claiming that the city ran out of space last week our nation's capital is currently housing about 1200 migrants spread across three hotels oh my god 1200 that's like half of one hotel uh you know but it's it's breaking that brings us to new york not just new york city as you probably heard, 20 homeless veterans in upstate city of Newburgh were told they would no longer receive temporary housing at Crossroads Hotel because migrants need the need those rooms. Well, wait a, wait a minute. We have uh, Americans who fought for our country, who for one reason or another are homeless, and some nonprofit, not a uh, not the government, but the nonprofit, is making sure that they have temporary housing to help them get on their feet. And uh, but you know we have got illegal immigrants here. We got to move them out. We got to move them out so we have room for the illegals. The only good news is that the veterans have been re-rehoused at Hudson Valley Hotel near nearby. Here's New York Republican State Assembly uh, Assemblyman Bill Mayer. You had combat veterans yeah. who are homeless, who were told to get out of their hotel after one day. Sharon and her team scrambled to find them locations, and right now what we've tried to do is let those veterans know we appreciate them. We're embarrassed by what's happened to them, but we have their backs. The Biden administration, Governor Hochul, and the city of New York, they all have a part in this, and it's a total embarrassment. It's a slap in the face to veterans, to citizens of New York and this country who are really being cast aside to allow for asylum seekers to come here. Yeah, that's what our government thinks of uh, American veterans that are down on their luck. It's not, it wasn't the government that is taking care of the veterans. It's nonprofits. Nonprofits like the Independence Fund and, and a Wounded Warrior Project and Tunnels for Towers and all these other, other ones that are out there that we all need to be supporting to help our, help our veterans because that's why we're free. And, uh, you know, it is an embarrassment. Um, I heard another interview with a, with a couple who uh, had their wedding planned in, uh, in uh, New York. Uh, I think it was uh, in Midtown. I remember it's it's somewhere somewhere in Manhattan, and uh, they just said, hey, they filled filled the hotel up with uh, with uh, with uh, migrants, and so they had to cancel all their all their wedding all their wedding parties rooms. So they had all all you know half a hotel filled up with people coming to their wedding, and they had to can- cancel it. Well, that's hey, we put up a deposit, we plan an event, but hey, illegal immigrants are coming. We got to make room for them. The reason we know the vets were kicked out in favor of migrants is because Crossroads Hotels, where New York City Mayor Eric Adams sent a busload of migrants last week as part of his attempt to alleviate his city of the influx. By the way, how is this any different from what Greg Abbott is doing? So Greg Abbott runs Texas and Texas is getting overrun. So he starts he starts sending busloads of of migrants to these uh, sanctuary cities where all these people are getting out there and say, we should welcome these people. Yeah, that's easy for you to say when you're so far away from the border, we're getting overrun, so Greg Abbott sends them to New York City. And uh, Eric Adams says, well, hey, we're overrun, so now we're gonna send them to other cities in, in New York. And we'll probably hear from Democrat Mayor of Denver soon because Greg Abbott just sent a migrant bus to Colorado on Thursday. You know, everywhere where Democrats where they have Democrat mayors where, they, where it smells like weed and you've got a, uh, a lot about, uh, they've got a lot of talk about taking care of the immigrants. That's where we're, uh, we're sending, uh, sending these uh, people where they say, we are the sanctuary cities. As you know, Eric Adams is one of the country's many sanctuary city mayors who's been whining about being overrun by migrants. About 4,200 migrants arrived in New York City last week and another 15 buses are expected this weekend. Here's one of Adam's many rants this week, where he fails to understand the irony of getting exactly what he asked for.
0: I'm really calling on all of us to take notice that this is going to impact every city service that we deliver to the people of this city. And it's just wrong. Uh, New York City should not be carrying a burden of a national problem.
1: Yeah, or any other city should be be burdened with the the national problem. Problem is the nation is made up of 50 states, and the 50 states are made up of a bunch of counties, that are made up of a bunch of cities. Uh, he, and he's right. This is a national problem. And how did all this stuff get started? I don't remember. I would,
0: in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you
2: want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come.
1: Yeah, that's, a, you know, hey, the reason that these guys have uh, presidential speeches, campaign events and debate so you can listen to him pay attention and say wow Biden says that's who we are we need to have a surge to the border of people coming across is that really who I am because I don't really think I agree with that coming into my city maybe I shouldn't vote for him and people forget they forget what the point of of uh of all this is because you know the Dodgers are in the Dodgers are out there you know and the Lakers and the and the, and the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees and the, all these sports teams, and that's more important than paying attention to, you know, debates and campaign speeches. On Monday, Adam and Adams announced that 20 public school gyms throughout the city were being looked at to house migrants. Adams claimed that it was just a possibility, but almost immediately after he announced this, cots were being set up in school gyms in Brooklyn and Coney Island, and principals were sending home letters to warn parents. Sometime after 1 a.m. on Tuesday, a group of migrant men were photographed lying on cots in one Brooklyn school gym. And Adams quickly moved them out right after the photo sh- showed up on Twitter. Um, there are some benefits to uh, social media. It does, uh, it does um, embarrass some government people. By 3 a.m., the migrants had been moved to an abandoned school in Staten Island. Adams proudly announced that they had moved the migrants to a new location. And what about all the other schools? Let's hear some of the concerned parents on that.
2: It is not safe for her uh, children. All of the activities that we would have had in that gym are off limits now. The gym we came to, the doors were locked. We had no way back in. And when you look through the window, you can see cots were already lined up. I don't feel safe. Having adult males with no health screenings, no criminal background checks around, around our children, and in some cases they can't come out and play, this is unfair.
0: Mayor Adams, and to come and please see for yourself. I don't think you'll put your
1: own child in here, would you? Yeah, I don't think you would either. Apparently, Adams' uh, office got the message that parents weren't standing for this. So Thursday morning, an anonymous city government source had told the media, they are moving away from the school sites for now, but we reserve the right to use them again if we can't handle the influx. You know, I saw one of them say, well, they were never, they were never meant to be long-term sites, so it's only just gonna be kind of just a, a transition thing till we, you know, for a few hours. Yeah, BS, you're just trying to save face. Let's hear some more whining from Eric Adams. Here he is on Good Day, New York. Where the heck go. is the President of the United States?
0: Uh, that, that is a good question, and I think we all should be asking uh, why is this happening to a city that was turning itself around and will continue to do so. Uh, this should not be happening to New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, and the other big northern cities. And really, it should not be happening to El Paso or Brownsville, Texas. No city should be carrying this burden. It's this a national problem, and it needs a national solution.
1: Really, it's not a national problem. Biden's a national problem. It wasn't a problem until Biden got here. And finally, we get to California. The rest of the country may forget that we're a border state, but we know what we deal with here when it comes to illegal immigration. This week, the rest of the country got a reminder that one so-called asylum seeker was cro- ha- who crossed near San Diego turned out to be an Afghan national on the FBI terror watch list. We still don't know much, but we know that the Border Patrol agents arrested him after he crossed with a group of migrants on May 10th. The group was taken to a processing center uh, where they where they took fingerprint scan results of the scan determined this person was a match on the terrorist screening database, which uh, I'm frankly I'm impressed that they even did that. Congressman Darrell Issa uh, confirmed the story on Twitter before the FBI did. Uh, he said, I can confirm that a wanted terrorist crossed our open border in San Diego region just days ago, even if the Biden administration won't. Issa elaborated on KUSI's news in San Diego. This issue of national security, and as we saw uh, reports coming out over the weekend, there was an Afghani terrorist uh, on the watch list that was apprehended at our border.
2: Well, he was not apprehended at the border. He was apprehended in the United States. In other words, he got in. He was what we often call a runaway. We don't catch them all. We don't catch even half of them. So this is one now of about 80 people who we would call Uh, valued targets, but this was a fairly high-value target from Afghanistan. And what it shows us clearly is that our border is so porous that if we're catching 80, let's say, out of 800 who attempt to evade uh, the the completely swamped border patrol, then that means that we have that kind of quantity, hundreds and hundreds of people who want to hurt America, who have gotten here. They're not coming for a better life. Or if they're coming for a better life, they've certainly uh, uh, taken some sort of a, uh, a truth serum or a change in life that they didn't have when they were put on the terrorist watch list.
1: Yeah, I saw also explain how the concept of calling all migrants asylum seekers is not even legally sound, in addition to everything else that's wrong with this process.
2: The laws, international laws on uh, asylum and refugee status, require that you first attempt to go to the first country you hit. We're not the first country anyone but Mexico and Canada gets to in most cases. Secondly, the, uh, the whole idea is there's supposed to be an adjudication. Since when there is, on those rare occasions, an actual judge who, who makes the, uh, the call and listens to the evidence, uh, far more than nine out of ten times these are false claims, it's pretty clear to anybody. Try to get through. Make the claim if you get caught. And uh, the reality is that uh, you're gonna get to stay here for years, if not permanently, simply because the system is swamped.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, remember, if you're an asylum seeker, you're, you're getting uh, persecuted in your own country. And of course, these people come from Venezuela, could go to Colombia, and uh, they could go to Panama, then they go to Costa Rica, then Nicaragua, then Honduras, and then El Salvador, and Guatemala, and then Mexico before us. You know, but, uh, you know, we call them asylum seekers, just like, uh, you know, we used to call them illegal aliens and they were immigrants and they were migrants. Then they're now they're asylum seekers. Pretty soon they'll be refugees and then we'll call them dreamers. Hey, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports and commercials. And I'll be right back with lots more. Welcome back to part 2 of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about mortgage and financing and real estate on the radio, but you know if you want to talk about it, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. I got a lot to say about it. I'll tell you uh, I got a I got one guy has a, a like a 3% First mortgage on his house, you know he owes about uh, three hundred thousand on his house, and uh, and his house appraised at a million one fifty, and uh, but he but he has a ten percent second on his other house, and he's got a twenty five percent what are these all these different uh, all these different uh, thumb twister um, um, finance companies and up to his ears and eyeballs and his house is in disrepair. Uh, we we just refinanced him we saved him about three thousand dollars a month on his bills and uh, then a year from now when the rates drop again we'll do a no cash out refinance on him and drop it another three or four hundred bucks and uh, life will be beautiful if you're if you think you might be in one of those uh, situations 855-640-2020, and we'll talk about it so in the first half we talked about title 42 which is the reason de jure of why we have all these uh, all these uh, influx that were being overrun by Asylum speak seekers, we call them criminals. We call them uh, drug dealers. We call them everything. I I just don't understand who benefits from this. Who benefits? Who wants this? Why are people still still talking trash on the Republicans when this stuff is going on? So while we're on on talking about uh, the lies that come out of the Democrat Party, let's talk about the lies that come out of out of the uh, the actual the government offices that are not supposed to be political at all. So this week, Special Counsel John Durham released the final report on his examination into the origins of FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation, what most of us know as the Russian collusion ho- hoax, where the FBI attempted to prove collusion between Russia's government and Trump's 2016 campaign. Russia, Russia, Russia. The Durham report, as it's known, clocks in at more than 300 pages. I think it's... Uh, little more than my book which is like 327 pages of course mine's on on audio too so if you don't want to really want to turn the turn the pages and i'm sure my book experience matters is much more interesting than the Durham report uh but we've all been experiencing this and living it for the last uh 1652 1652 beers or maybe more the Durham report uh over 300 pages since none of us are ever going to read it let's look at some of the key takeaways number one The FBI failed. You
3: really failed. You failed, you failed, you failed.
1: Yeah, well, tell us something we don't know.
3: You failed, you failed, you failed, you failed, you failed.
1: Yeah, well, they failed. Durham concluded the Justice Department and the FBI, quote, failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law in connection with certain events and activities regarding the events of the 2016 presidential campaign. Durham wrote, that the FBI had an obligation to look at the allegations and did not perform due diligence. He says senior FBI personnel, quote, displayed a serious lack of analytical rigor toward the information they received, especially information received from politically affiliated persons and entities. You think? Really? Wow, that's, that's something that uh, we never would have been able to do without a, a big investigation. They got a fake dossier saying there's a tape of Trump doing something sexually deviant, in a Russian hotel. And only did they not question where the dossier came from, but they decided it was good enough to prove he concluded with Vladimir Putin. The so-called P-tape that doesn't even exist was all they needed to start spying on the Trump campaign and entrapping his advisors. So we've been hearing about this tape of uh, Trump getting with some uh, some hooker in, in Moscow and doing some... Uh, some Weird stuff. No one ever saw the tape. That tape doesn't exist, but somebody made up a story about it and then it became a dossier, and all of a sudden they're trying to uh, to impeach the president. Okay, takeaway number two. FBI's employees furthered Crossfire Hurricane by acting on their own biases. Pay attention, folks. We'll follow the bouncing ball here. Durham wrote, quote, Neither U.S. law enforcement nor any intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of of collusion in their holdings at the commencement of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. But two officials working in upper ranks of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, then FBI Director, and Peter Strzok, then Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence, both fired in 2018, furthered Crossfire Hurricane operation by acting on their own personal political biases. So a couple of people up in the top decided they detest Trump and that started everything else. We all remember Strzok as the one who texted his his mistress, Lisa Page, also an FBI employee, about his disdain for Trump and an insurance policy that could prevent Trump from winning. As I remember, he said, hey, this won't happen. He won't get elected. No, we will stop it. But just in case we need an insurance policy and kind of a say, hey, just in case he accidentally gets elected, we need an insurance policy to get rid of him before he ever takes office. So, uh, you know, so, wait, they come up with this collusion so they could stop the certification of the election on January 6, 2017. Hmm. They were going to stop? They were going to try to turn over a, uh, the people's, the people's uh, choice? They were going to try and stop democracy? How could that happen? We should have an investigation into that. Oh yeah, this was the investigation, and realize that none of this, is, everything, all this stuff is meaningless if nobody has to has to pay the price for it. But I, I'm I'm veering off. Let me get back to this. So uh, so we all remember that uh, uh, he had the the we're going to stop it and the insurance policy that could prevent Trump from winning and it would be the insurance policy that would stop him from taking office. Durham wrote that at a minimum, Strzok had pronounced hostile feelings toward Trump. And the investigation was open without ever having spoken to a person who provided the information, claiming there was a collusion between Trump campaign and Russia. So it should be no surprise that both McCabe and Strock have been on TV this week to talk about to talk trash about the Durham report. Here they are, along with Mueller investigation attorney Andrew Weissman. There is nothing new here. We knew from the very beginning this was never a
3: legitimate investigation. A predictable, sad ending to an investigation that never should have taken place. What you have with John Durham is, like, it's a big, fat nothing.
1: It's a big, fat nothing burger. The fact that these guys were given a platform to, uh, to comment before the public even had the chance to digest what was in this report just maddens me. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? Hey, Durham came out with this report. Nobody's reading it. You're getting a, a few reporters on Fox, on Fox and uh, Newsmax and OAN, a few little places and some uh, and some podcasts. You get a few handful of places where people are reading it and they're reporting on it and they're talking about it. But no one even had had a chance to digest that. Hey, what does it mean, the Durham report? Who is John Durham? You know, remember we pay attention and we know who John Durham is. But most of America doesn't pay attention. So the general public hasn't had a chance to even think about this. And before, before they let uh, Andrew Weissman and Peter Strzok and Andrew McCabe go on TV and say, there's nothing here. Okay, well then I guess I won't pay attention and figure out what it is. Takeaway number three, the Steele dossier was Russian disinformation. How does the intelligence community know so much about Russian disinformation? Apparently because they rely on it themselves. Durham found that the dossier authored by British MI6 spy Christopher Steele was likely to be infected by Russian disinformation before the FBI ever saw it. We have to break this down because it's been a few years, so again, follow the bouncing ball. Christopher Steele was working for Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska before, during, and after 2016. In 2016, Steele was hired by opposition research firm Fusion GPS to put together the dossier. Fusion GPS hired Steele to do this on behalf of Hillary Clinton's campaign through her attorney, Mark Elias. So as I remember it, uh, Fusion GPS was working for the DNC or for one of the other candidates before that candidate dropped out. And then the Hillary Clinton campaign, as she became the last man standing in the in the uh, in the. Fight for the presidency. Hillary Clinton's campaign took it over and uh, and paid Fusion GPS to finish it. Durham discovered Fusion GPS was also working with Russian honeypot lawyer who lured Don Jr. and Paul Manafort to the Trump Tower meeting where they were promised dirt on Hillary Clinton and it turned out to be a trap. So they t- they 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 had her reach out to Don Jr. and Don Jr. set this appointment with him and Paul Manafort and. The whole idea was to show, look, the the Clinton the the Trump campaign is is looking to get stuff from the the Russians. When she showed up, all she wanted to talk about was uh, adopting Russian babies. Um, so this was a full circle effort, wherein Russian spies worked surreptitiously with the Clinton campaign to raise collusion suspicions about Trump. Christopher Steele started researching the Trump campaign before authoring the dossier. They duped our FBI into investigating. The agents who weren't in on it, some of them, like Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok, were in on it. And then everyone involved spent the next four years telling America that Trump was a Russian agent. Let's not forget that the Clinton campaign and the DNC had to pay a $113,000 fine from the Federal Election Commission for violating campaign finance law by hiring these firms. Who hired Steele? The DNC paid 105,000 of it, and Hillary's campaign paid 8,000. They are the ones who made us vulnerable to Russian disinformation, not Donald Trump. And of course, and of course, as I say, none of these people are being held accountable. So, key takeaway number four: the FBI stabbed its own agents in the back. The report describes a dramatic moment in one of, the Dur- in one of Durham's interviews with an FBI agent. He asked the agent about. When our intelligence community learned of the Russian intelligence that alleged Clinton campaign planned to distract voters from Hillary's email server problems by concocting a scandal about Trump's ties to Russia. Okay, remember this? That all of a sudden we found out that Hillary Clinton had her own server uh, somewhere and that she was sending official uh, emails with with confidential information, with... uh, classified information out there uh, that is only supposed to be transmitted through the government's uh, servers that are are uh, secure. And she's uh, on her BlackBerry sending these things through her own server uh, so she can control who can track it. And uh, all of a sudden when she gets caught, all of a sudden they had to uh, d- uh, come up with a new story to distract us from it. Remember the, uh, the, uh, the story about Classified information in in uh, Biden's in Biden's garage, whatever happened with that? Remember the classified information in the Penn Center, what happened with that? Whatever happened with all this stuff? On what about the Hunter Biden thing? Whatever happened, all that stuff? Because something comes out that's true, and they create something else that's not true to distract us from it. And American and the American public has a very short attention span. We know that some some of the intelligence community knew about it because the FBI or the I'm sorry, we know that some of the intelligence community knew because the CIA director John Brennan briefed Obama on it before it happened. But Durham writes that most of the crossfire hurricane agents he interviewed had never seen this intelligence, including the agents who were supervising. The report says that after reviewing the Russian di- intelligence with Durham's team, this agent, this agent, quote, became visibly upset and emotional left the interview room with his counsel and subsequently returned to state emphatically that he had never been apprised of it. The agent expressed a sense of betrayal that no one had informed him of the intelligence that someone should have told him about it. They were, he was, they were outraged. Wait a minute. I didn't know about this. People told me about this information. They didn't tell me it was made up. Report also states that then FBI general counsel, James Baker said he first learned of the intelligence from Durham's team. Baker said if he had known about it in 2016, he would have been been skeptical about Christopher Steele's report in the first place. Durham talked to other FBI FBI agents who say they would also have been more skeptical about Trump-Russia allegations had they seen the intelligence. These agents felt that if they had been properly informed, they could have reduced the risk of reputational damage both to the targets of the investigation, i.e. Donald Trump, as well as ultimately to the FBI. Really, if you knew the truth, you might've done things differently. If the American public knew that the Hunter Biden stuff was not BS, if they knew that he was in on these, these business deals with China and Ukraine and Russia, they might've voted different at the ballot box. So then the cheating would've even had to be bigger than, than what it was. Hard to imagine if people knew the truth that they might've done things different. Durham concluded, quote, the speed and manner in which FBI opened and investigated crossfire hurricane during the presidential election season, based on raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence, also reflected a noticeable departure from how it approached prior matters involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans aimed at the Clinton campaign. You know what? But the bottom line on this is, after discovering this, If they don't go after any of these people, James Comey, uh, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, uh, Brennan, and the Clintons, this is all meaningless. Because they're just going to say, ah, there's nothing to see here, and we're just going to brush it under the rug. If they don't go after some of these people that duped everybody else, this is all meaningless. But nothing to see here. Let's hear Democrat Congresswoman and aging lunatic James Carville whine about how much this investigation cost. We've spent an awful lot of money as an American government on a report that uh, essentially uh, proves no wrongdoing. Durham
2: is a is a kind of pathetic character. Four years, I don't know how many millions of dollars. I don't know how many people, uh, how many of his friends he hired in his office to do what? To the issue. A, a, a basically
1: blatantly false report. Yeah, how do we know it's a blatantly false report? Because you said it. Because it doesn't fit your narrative. You know what? The Durham investigation cost roughly six million dollars, well, while Robert Mueller's investigation of Trump, that turned up no Russian collusion either, cost 32 million. So I don't know. Just doesn't seem uh, doesn't seem like uh, any of this argument is is all that important. Uh, meanwhile, there's an update on the debt ceiling which is that everything is still the same. Biden met with a group of four again this week, no agreement was reached, and Janet Yellen said the same thing she said last week. In my assessment, and that of economists
2: across the board, a U.S. default would generate an economic and financial catastrophe. If Congress does not address the debt limit, there are no good options the Treasury or the government can use to save us from catastrophe.
1: Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, what did she say? If they don't address the debt limit, the Congress is trying to address the debt limit. The president doesn't want to negotiate anything. The only news is that Democrats are talking about the actual changes Republicans are proposing, as opposed to just making things up like they've been doing. Here's Hakeem Jeffries and Biden on McCarthy's proposed changes to work requirements for food stamps.
2: Work requirements, so-called work requirements, are non-starter.
0: I'm not going to accept any work requirements that uh, go much beyond what is already. Well, I I voted years ago for the work requirements that exist, but it's possible there could be a few others, but not anything of any consequence.
1: Yeah, we don't want people that get uh, free stuff from the government because they don't have a job to have to uh, do something, go to school or or do some part-time work or do something to prove that you're alive. Uh, you know, so, you know, if we, if we give you money for food, at least spend it on food so you're alive, uh, show us that you're not spending it on weed and booze, um, you know, and here's McCarthy and the Republicans' reaction to what Biden and, uh, Hakeem Jeffries just said. But he also said, um, on work requirements, he'd accept not anything of any consequence.
0: Where does
3: that Loser. I I, I
2: don't understand Uh, (laughs) anything that has consequences. This this is a senator who voted for work requirements. If he doesn't want to have something that has consequences, he wants to borrow more money from China to pay an able-bodied person who has no dependents, not even to look for a job, not even go to school for 20 hours.
1: Yeah, I I love it when they're saying, hey, you know what, they're not going to consider anything with (laughs) consequences. And you hear one of the guys go, losers. <clears throat> yep, uh, the Republicans are catching on that we like it when they say what we're thinking. And in uh, Hunter Biden news this week, attorneys for whistleblower named Bud Cummins, a former federal prosecutor, who has also worked for Mike Huckabee, are accusing the Department of Justice of illegal retaliation against him after he brought suspicions of Hunter and the big guy's foreign bribery activity to their attention in 2018. So listen to th- listen to this. Cummins' story is that in October of 2018... He emailed New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Bermans saying he was told about evidence that Joe Biden had exercised influence to protect his son's Ukrainian employer in exchange for payments to Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Joe Biden. Wow. So somebody from Russia or somebody from Ukraine called this guy and he told the guy at the U.S. Attorney's Office that he, hey, this guy in Ukraine wants to come meet with someone from the U.S. Attorney to tell him the same thing that we were hearing Joe Biden say in front of crowds, in video thing, talking about, "Hey, you know, you're not getting our money if uh, if this guy's not not fired." And then, uh, son of a b, you know, six six hours later, he was fired. So all this stuff was going on. Cummins called the U.S. or emailed the U.S. attorney uh, that this guy wanted to talk to him, and uh, he sent an email after being approached by representatives from Ukraine prosecutor General Yuri Lutsenko who wanted to meet with Berman and present their evidence. Cummins never got a response from Berman and said he got a silent retaliation from the Department of Justice one year later in the middle of Trump's impeachment. So remember what Trump was being impeached for? For asking uh, Zelensky six months later, say, hey, what's going on with this thing about, uh, about uh, Biden saying fire this guy or else you're not getting our, our taxpayer money? You know, first. So first, this guy calls, calls, uh, calls Bud Cummins. He call. He sends an email to the, to the U.S. Attorney's office, and then six months later, uh, somebody. You know, six. And then Joe Biden goes on screen and brags about it. And then Trump uh, asks a question to uh, Vladimir Zelensky, and he's going through impeachment. And while the and while the impeachment's going on. They're investigating, uh, what what are they investigating? That retaliation came in the form of federal prosecutors secretly obtaining data from his iPhone with a grand jury subpoena to Apple. Here's Cummins with Jesse Waters.
2: So Mr. Cummins, what was the hard evidence that you had that proved that Joe Biden was on the take in Ukraine?
3: I'm gonna correct your story a little bit. I didn't have the evidence. I was approached by some intermediaries who said that the prosecutor general in Ukraine had hard evidence and he wanted to professionally and discreetly come to the United States and make a presentation to the appropriate law enforcement authorities. They claimed to have some some ledgers uh you know about money transfers, money laundering, uh they and they they had eyewitnesses who uh who were part of the transactions, actually making the transactions happen. I you know made an attempt to to set up a meeting for this you know, review or to interview these folks and, and see how credible they were. I, You know, I didn't know how credible. I wasn't vouching for their credibility. I was always only offering the opportunity to the investigators. And I got, you know, they said they'd call me back and there were no callbacks. And I made several more attempts to, to you know, follow up and th- there was no response. So I,
1: I chose to drop it. You know what was great about this country? Is that we stood up for the truth and what's right. That's who we are. That's not who Biden says we are, but that's who we are. That's what we love about America because we're not a banana republic, or are we? Next week, we'll talk about what we started to hear the story on this week about whistleblowers in the FBI that are being retaliated against. And specifically, some they were talking to uh, on Thursday in front of uh, Congress that were uh, were whistleblowers on stuff that went on during January 6th. Not the January 6th commission, not the investigation we saw on TV, but what was actually happening on January 6th when they were denying that there were FBI involvement in the, in the whole January 6th thing. And when they, when they, made, when they uh, tried to, to whistleblow, the FBI suspended them indefinitely without pay. And I heard, I heard one of the interviews where the guy said, hey, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm all about doing what's right for our country which proves that's probably the the great the the lion's share of the people in the FBI and the CIA they want to protect our country but a few bad apples at the at the top are corrupting this and clearly this country's becoming a banana republic and you know where you you know hey the the top people at the top are just taking out the people that would be the uh, people that bring the truth to uh, to everybody's attention Anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, this episode of the main event, so keep your eyes open, keep your brain switched on, and, uh, and pay attention, and if you don't, just listen to the main event next week. Hey, my name's Ed Hoffman, thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week.